This is the DCN Weekly, the regular roundup of Australia's maritime and logistics news. This episode is for the week ending the 10th of November 2023. I'm DCN editor Ian Ackerman. In the news this week, the Strategic Fleet Task Force detailed a path to the establishment of an Australian strategic fleet in its final report, which was made public on Wednesday the 8th of November. The government launched the Strategic Fleet Task Force in October 2022 to liaise with industry and stakeholders and advise government on ways to establish such a fleet. In the 2022-23 federal budget announced in October last year, the government allocated $6.3 million to the task force. The task force submitted its final report to government in June this year, and it has only just been made public along with government response to its recommendations. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese, when he was leader of the opposition, proposed the establishment of the strategic fleet in January 2022 in the lead-up to the past federal election. As proposed, the fleet would comprise up to 12 privately owned and operated Australian-flagged ships, which the government could requisition in times of emergency. The task force's report laid out 16 recommendations to government for the establishment of the strategic fleet. The government agreed with five of the recommendations, agreed in principle to seven, and noted the remaining four recommendations. The task force acknowledged that operating the fleet would cost more than current arrangements and proposed changes to tax regulation as well as levies on vessel arrivals to fund subsidies for the Australian flagged fleet. The government agreed in principle with the proposal to change tax regulation and noted the recommendation to impose a levy on vessel arrivals. In his report, the task force outlined several ways to, su- to support training of Australian seafarers. In its 10th recommendation, it said government should impose a training levy on maritime industry participants that are beneficiaries of STCW qualified seafarers. The funds raised would be used for financial assistance for employers and sponsors of trainees and cadets. The government noted this recommendation and did not agree with it. However, the government agreed in principle with the following two recommendations. Recommendation 11 said the government should establish a cadetship scheme to provide financial assistance to organizations that provide berths for cadets and trainees who are working towards their STCW qualifications. And also recommendation number 12 in the report said the government should mandate a minimum number of training berths on each vessel in the strategic fleet. Maritime Industry Australia, Mile, said the report and the government response was a welcome step in securing Australia's sovereign maritime capacity and its future as a maritime nation. Mile said the rec- recommendations of the report include measures that, if fully resourced and implemented, could level the playing field for Australian shipping businesses to compete with foreign shipping. Mile CEO Angela Gillum was a member of the task force and contributed to the report. And in a statement, Shipping Australia called the strategic fleet plan bad policy. The industry association said similar policies had been tried in Australia several times and have always failed. Sal said uh, there was little transparency around the task force and that it was shrouded in secrecy and there was no open and transparent selection process to the membership of the task force. And also in the news, ASX-listed logistics company Cube has acquired Stevenson Logistics, a transport and logistics firm based in Fremantle. 
In an announcement to Stevenson's logistics customers last week, Cube said the deal would be effective from the 1st of November this year. Stevenson's logistics was established in 1930, and the business specializes in transport, warehousing, quarantine, and special projects. Cube told DCN the acquisition would expand its capabilities and exposure to the hay and agricultural export market in Western Australia, which is consistent with its strategy to diversify by geography and market. And finally, several of the big international ocean carriers reported their results for the first nine months of 2023, which made some grim reading. Maersk said it would reduce its global workforce by about 10,000 positions uh, to deal with challenging market, market conditions and a worsening price outlook for its ocean segment. Maersk was already in the process of reducing the head, its headcount. The company began 2023 with 110,000 staff worldwide and has since reduced the figure to around 103,500. Maersk said its financial results for the third quarter of 2023 were in line with expectations with rates well off their 2022 peak and tested by the increase of capacity in its ocean segment. Revenue was 12.1 billion US dollars compared with 22.8 billion US dollars in the third quarter of 2022, with an EBIT margin at 4.4% impacted by lower freight rates and lower volumes. And Hapeg Lloyd also announced results over this past week. The company recorded reported decreases in revenue, earnings, and profits for the first nine months of 2023, while volumes remained relatively static. Hapeg Lloyd's profit for the first nine months of 2023 tumbled from more than 14 billion US dollars over the first nine months of last year to 3.25 billion US dollars in the same period this year. And that's all for the top stories for the week ending 10th of November 2023. As always, for more on these stories and for more up-to-date maritime news, head to thedcn.com.au. Thanks for listening. <laughs>